Amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I have got a voice this week. Uh, I didn't have a voice last week. Uh, and also last week, I don't know if you've had that situation where you bite your lip and you take half your lip off. And it, it is seriously painful. And, and last Friday, it was just rubbing up and down on my tooth. And I couldn't talk either because I'd lost my voice. So I thought, you know what? It's the first time in 40 years I've ever not done a preaching engagement that I'd committed to. And I thought, you know, next time, God, can you just tell me not to do it rather than giving me all these things? So that, um, because I would have done it, I would have done it. But I, I think I know why. I think because it's nothing to do the, with the word that I'm going to bring this week. But I think it may be a lot to do with the word that Tim brought last week. And so I think it's really important that we recognize uh, what Tim brought last week when he talked about that I can uh, attitude. Now, I, I hope that you've uh, gained something uh, from the last few weeks in our series on the transformed mind. Anybody gained some stuff from that? I hope so. Yep, good. Uh, this uh, series is based upon uh, Romans 12 verse 2, which basically says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, over the past few weeks, uh, we've been uh, doing this series, which has concentrated on a number of areas, which includes, firstly, our identity. Uh, that's the pressure we sometimes feel to look and act a certain way to be accepted, which is directly in conflict to what the Bible says. Also, we've looked at unwanted thoughts. We've all got our internal struggle, haven't we? Every single one of us has an internal struggle, whether that be fear or anxiety, stress, uh, negative thoughts about ourselves or others. The Bible encourages us to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So that was week two. Last week, Tim spoke about us adopting this I can attitude, uh, uh, which is rather than saying, you know, rather than saying, I, I, I can't do that, I can't do that, but to be able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this week, we're going to look at the uh, complex world of relationships. Now, this is a huge subject, and uh, there's not enough time to cover adequately in the, in the three hours that you've given me this morning, Tim, uh, to preach this. Okay, so it'll only be, uh, it won't be that long, I promise, I promise. Uh, uh, let's pause for a minute, shall we? And let's just think about all the relationships in our lives. Now, you might want to close your eyes here and just think as I read these out to you. Our top priority, our relationship with God. Husband and wife, our marriage. Parents and children, which means father-son, father-daughter, mother-son, mother-daughter, step-parents and step-children, grandparents and grandchildren. What about siblings, brothers and sisters, step-brothers and step-sisters, friends, colleagues at work, clients or customers at work, Government, local authority, police, teachers, bosses, community leaders, church leaders and congregation, 
The list goes on and on and on. And on top of that, you have the cultural differences that we experience between men and women. We are not the same, are we? And neither should we be. Add to that the cultural difference between nations and people groups. And then you have this complete and whole complex web to navigate. But if I was to ask you this question, this is a question. What do you want most out of life? I think most of us would say that healthy relationships are a massive part of that. What would you like most out of life? You know, you can, be, you can have a pile of money and be the richest person in the world, but if you've got shallow or broken relationships, you've got nothing. Your life can be empty. You can be poor with a loving family and great friends, but be far richer than a rich man who is poor relationally. You know, the Bible ranks healthy relationships as the most important thing in life. A, a Jewish leader once came up to Jesus and he said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So basically what we're saying here is a loving relationship with God was of first importance. But loving relationships with others was also secondary, but the most important. The Bible is all about these two important relationships. Paul says later, when he's speaking to the church, um, uh, the Colossian church, he says, this is found in Colossians 3, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. So the reason we should do this is, is because God has graciously chosen us and loved us first. So what Paul is saying is that God is gracious and his loving treatment of us is the basis for our treatment of others. In other words, we've been treated really well by God, haven't we? And by Christ and given us forgiveness for everything that we've done in our lives that has, has separated us from him. And boy, have we made some big mistakes in this room, yeah? We have. But as Christians then, we're urged to show these character qualities but there is a freedom for different personalities. We're not all the same, are we? In fact, I sometimes wonder how church works at all. Uh, you know, one of us will be a Barnabas, one will be a Paul, one will be a Peter. And part of the glory of God's creation is this, that there's such a great variety of personality which he has given us. And that he has a special purpose for each one of us. I think, you know, we need to thank God for our differences. Imagine how boring it would be 
in life and in church if everybody was a clone of everybody else? Oh, gosh. Wouldn't it be terrible? And as a church, we need to be careful, don't we, that we don't just accept people into our congregations that we like because they're like us or we view them as being like us. You know, I'm interested to know what Jesus would have been like if he'd sat in church, in this church maybe. You know, I'm not sure that we'd like him as much as we think we would. You know, Jesus didn't mince his words, did he? He was straight to the point. Uh, he was scathing at the religious leaders of this day and didn't share pleasantries when it came to fulfilling his purpose of building God's kingdom. That was his first and foremost thing to do. And I think, I know that I would, I'd find him in church uncomfortable and challenging. Nevertheless, he displays, didn't he, the very character uh, of God. Many times the Bible recalls that he was moved with compassion uh, for the crowds. He was gentle and humble. He ministered to the sick and demon-possessed. He made friends of outcasts, and his ability to forgive was off the scale when it comes to what we think forgiveness is. He is our great example of how to relate to others. So, you know, firstly, in order to have healthy relationships, there's three things we need to think about. It's important, firstly, to recognize that we all have value. In God's kingdom, we all have value. You know, when God creates something and says that it's good, it's good, irrespective of how we or other people view it. It's good. God said when he made his creation, it's good. Now also, we're all made, the Bible says, in the image of God. Therefore, when we criticize others, we are in danger of criticizing God himself. And also, I believe this relates to an unhealthy loathing of ourselves. And we sometimes can get into that situation. We loathe ourselves but we need to remember that we are God's workmanship. We have been created by God for good works. He doesn't make mistakes. And when he made you and when he made me, he didn't make a mistake. He knew exactly what he was doing. And you are uniquely purposed in God's kingdom. Now, you know, sometimes we need some rough edges smoothed off, don't we? Yeah, I think we do. But you know, our differences are really important for the growth of the church. Because when we work together in unity and in God's calling for our lives, God's kingdom can do only one thing, as that is to grow. It has to grow when we're working in his calling and in the unity of the spirit. 25 years ago, in my old banking days, I managed a branch in, in Boscombe. And my number two was a lady named Lynn. Now, I find Lynn quite a difficult person to deal with. Uh, she was really good at the things I wasn't good at. And I was really good at the things she was bad at. 
and then you can see the uh, you can see the situation and the and, and the frustration there. And, I, and we would sometimes get frustrated with each other. But during our three years working together, the branch became really successful, and that's because between us we were a great team, because we had complementary skills. And you know, after working with Lynn for a year, I realised that she was a really a valuable part of the team. I didn't like her much, but she was really good. And she actually made up for all the stuff that I was really bad at. And together we made a great team, and church is like that sometimes. Life is like that sometimes. Sometimes you can find yourself married to somebody. I'm not talking about Sharon, I might add here. I just don't want to make any you know, connotations here. But sometimes opposites attract, don't they? But opposites sometimes attract, but complementary skills are fantastic when it comes to ministry in the kingdom of God. So if you've got a wife or a husband and you think, do you know what, these people are just a little bit weird sometimes compared to me, and they're probably thinking the same about you. Just think for a moment, complementary skills are fantastic when it comes to ministry in the church. Now, that's all very good, isn't it? We can just about cope with that, can't we? Are you, are you with me so far? Okay. This is where we really need help with a transformed mind. Jesus says in Luke 6, he says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Oh, <laughs> it was all right up until that point, wasn't it? It was all right up until then. Now, you know, I, I'm going to give you an example. I know some of you may have heard this before, but I know many of you won't have done. But my grandfather, uh, Ted Sherwood, was a professional boxer. He was a welterweight champion of the West of England back in the, the late 1930s. And he had no Christian background at all, but he came to Christ when he saw Christ in a vision. He had a dream one night, and he, he saw a vision of Christ. No Christian background whatsoever, but it really affected him. And that's how he became so successful in the ring, because he used to fight so hard to get this vision out of his head. And he became the welterweight champion. He was a fiery character. He was a fighter, and he wasn't an easy fit for church. And I think we need to understand there's lots of people that are not easy fit for church and therefore are not here. And we need to embrace that. And we need to get more people in the church which are not an easy fit for the church to make the church more powerful uh, in its ministry. Now, as soon as he, gave, he received Christ, he gave up the boxing. Uh, but he, he often used to preach. He went to work for a construction company in London. And he would often preach at Hyde Park Corner. You know, Hyde Park used to be Speaker's Corner. I don't know if you can do that. I don't know if you're allowed to do that now, to be honest. But that's what he used to do. He used to speak on Speaker's Corner. And uh, at the time, there was a, an individual there who was threatening and intimidating all the Christians that used to speak. And they, they knew my granddad, so they asked him to come down and preach that time. So this guy kicks off in the crowd, and he starts shouting 
and, um, and, and just causing a fuss. And, and my granddad carried on preaching and carrying until he got fed up of him. And he, he pointed to him in the crowd and he said, you know, mate, he said, one time a day, I'd have wiped the floor with you. And the chap said, great, I'll take that as a challenge. <laughs> and my granddad said, and I accept. And he walked down from the platform, the podium in Hyde Park, to fight this man. This is in a sermon. You can see why he wouldn't fit very well in church, can't you? During the sermon, he walked down and he faced this man up. And this is the words he said to him. The Bible tells me that when a person strikes me on the cheek, I should give him the other cheek. He said, my friend, you've got the first two punches. He said, but after that, the Bible doesn't tell me what to do. <laughs> and as a result of God's word, the, the guy turned and he ran away. Because God's word. And I, I wanted to tell you that because it's a, genuine, it's a genuine example. It did happen. It did happen. And um, I remember telling the story, him telling me the story and, and how that did something in me. There was another time when he was in London, uh, sorry, in Liverpool, uh, in accommodation with a team uh, of what he would call Irish navvies, Irish construction workers. Uh, one night, these guys returned from a drunken night out. They used to take the mickey out of him because he used to read his Bible and pray in the dormitory with them. So he, was a, you know, he wasn't afraid. And on this particular night, they came back and they decided they were all going to beat him up. That was, that was a mistake. <laughs> because they, they were drunk. They tried to beat him up. My granddad sorted them all out, apparently. But in the night, this is what happened. They were sick. And one of them messed the bed because they were drunk. My granddad got up in the middle of the night. He cleaned the sick up. He cleaned the mess up. He changed their beds. And he looked after them for the night. The next day, that group of men used to look after him and used to protect him when he used to preach in the canteen at work. God does something, doesn't he, when we really take his word uh, as gospel. Jesus goes on to say, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. I just want to take a step back right now. You may be experiencing difficulty uh, in a particular uh, relationship. And we all know that healthy relationships require work and the will. They require will to make them healthy. And also you are only one part of that relationship. And you can only be responsible for your part in that relationship but your attitude here is the key and the question I want to pose to you when you're thinking about all those relationships is do I want to put it right do I want to put it right because it starts there in Psalm 119 and verse 105 it says this it says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path have you ever had that situation where you get up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet or something? 
and I know you all know what that's like, all right? And you get up, and you don't switch the light on because you don't want to wake anybody up, and you go wandering around the bed, and you, you, you've learned it because you've been doing it for a while, and then you stub your toe on something, or you've left something on the floor, and, and you just wish you'd had a light, don't you? Or wish you'd switch the light on. You had that experience? I think we all have at some stage. You know, if you have a situation, a relationship where you haven't got a clear picture, I have to and want to encourage you to seek a word from God. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this. It says, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces, this is interesting, it pierces to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Let's remind ourselves very simply what that means. The soul comprises of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And you make decisions, you and I make decisions based upon what you think and what you feel. That's how you decide to do something. But the Bible doesn't divide the soul. It divides between the soul and spirit. It divides what we think is right and what we feel is right and what the spirit knows is right. Do you want to hear that again? To get that in. The Bible doesn't divide the soul. It divides between the soul and spirit. It divides what we think is right and what we feel is right from what the Spirit knows is right. And that's why we need God's Word. God's Word can bring light into any situation. God can make a way, there's that song, God can make a way where there seems to be no way. You know, light has no conflict with darkness. When you switch a light on in your room... The light doesn't gently usher darkness out of the room, does it? Light dispels darkness. That's why it says in John 3.20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light lest his works should be exposed. <coughs> why am I talking about this? Well, in order to have healthy relationships, things have to be in the light so that you can see them. There's another thing which I feel really inclined to share today as well, and that's this. Do you have a healthy relationship with the virtual world? What do I mean by that? In Luke 11:33, Jesus says, No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Then it says, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful unless the, uh, unless the light in you becomes darkness. 
If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Now you might want to read that. It's in Luke 11:33. Read that when you get home. But the key thing here is your eye is the lamp of your body. I was standing in Waterloo Station uh, a couple of days ago, and I was uh, sat having a cup of coffee looking down on a crowd of people. Everybody was on their phone. Everybody like this. And the majority of our education comes via what we see with our eyes. And the new advisor is Google, isn't it? Because Google knows so much. And he's with me every day. Or Alexa. And they can give me an answer in seconds. Netflix, Now TV, Amazon Prime, Virgin Media, Sky. These are the educators and the influencers of our day. And we often think, don't we, what a great film that was. What a great miniseries. And I'm the same. Bit of swearing. People got murdered and there was some sexual content. But it was a really good film. When you think about that, roll that back. The environment we enter into with our eyes influences our hearts and can bring darkness in. Just as what we eat has an influence on our physical well-being, in the same way what we indulge in with our eyes can negatively impact our relationship with God because it educates us in the godless culture of our day and brings darkness. And you may not realize it, but all the time we are subtly being influenced by what we see, by what we hear, by what we sense. But we are naturally just getting that fed to us all the time, all the time. Your mum and dad might have said to you, don't hang around with that person. You know, they're trouble. <laughs> Ever had that situation? Make sure you don't, you know. Let's be aware of the company we keep and the food that we eat. You know, we wouldn't eat something which we knew would seriously harm us. Or we wouldn't take poison. And yet every day we open our eyes to darkness. Are you feeling lackluster? Anybody feeling lackluster? Powerless? Apathetic? Take a step back and let's just examine for a minute the level of light you are allowing in from the Word of God. And you maybe need to decide to make an adjustment in that so that you allow the light in. I would just encourage you to do that and to allow God's light and God's word to begin to change because God's word is powerful. It divides uh, soul and spirit. There is something very powerful about the word of God. And I want to encourage you in healthy relationships. If you want a healthy relationship with anybody, let the light in. Let the light of God's word begin to speak to you and to, to speak to your heart about how you treat that person that you have 
a, maybe a poor relationship with. Or if you want a healthy relationship, see what the Bible says about healthy relationships and embrace it. Choose to embrace it in your life and see what a difference it will make. You know, there's many influences in this world today, but I just want to pray for us right now that God would just allow us to receive his word uh, for us. Lord Jesus, today I just ask that you would open up our hearts to your word. Help us to realize, Lord God, that your word is under attack and that, Lord God, we are, cont we are to contend for the faith. And where there are many voices out there, Father, uh, contending for our lives and for our wants and our needs and all of those things, I pray that you would enable us to stand firm and to firstly look for that healthy relationship with you. That we would see your word as being the most important in our life. Your word, Lord, is a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. Every decision we have to make, we can go to you and ask, and you will direct our paths. Lord, I pray you would give us that ability this morning to do that. I pray, Father, this morning for every single one in this room at this time who is suffering or struggling with a, an unhealthy relationship, or whether that be a, an unhealthy relationship with a, a, a parent or a sibling or... Uh, a marriage, Lord God, whatever that might be, people at work, even a virtual unhealthy relationship. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning and that you would make a change in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Dave.